0: From Lesson 9, intelligence analysis, we honed in on population analysis in Lesson 10. Then as a sub-discipline of population analysis, we investigated stabilization analysis in Lesson 11. Then as a sub-discipline of both population and stabilization analysis, we looked at just a very few select and limited themes of subnational and transnational governance outside or alongside what some consider contract society. In these final two lessons, we hone in on one type, Of subnational and transnational governance. In Mobilization and Radicalization, Lesson 13, we look to the process towards political violence. In Lesson 14, we look at political violence itself. To some degree, we want to challenge ourselves to look at lessons from the global war on terror and leverage them to inform approaches to great power competition. Specifically, we'll analyze the information warfare strategies of networks that conduct political violence either as a backdrop to contested and battle spaces of great power competition, as proxies of great power competition, or as tools of great power competition. Partisans fighting the kinetic and gray zone battles of great power competition, from Russian direct support of white supremacists and Nazis in Europe and North America, or exacerbating existing partisan and political divisions in Africa, Europe, and the Americas, or China causing fractures between governments of South Asia, Africa, and Latin America and their citizens. Governments accepting impossible China loans while citizens, First Nations people, indigenous movements, and other civil societies or civil societies writ large I should say, while they lose resources and jobs and suffer the consequences of almost immediately crumbling infrastructure and seemingly forever debts brought to you by Beijing. The war in Ukraine off and on fighting in Mozambique, and humanitarian crises in Yemen's fractured civil war underline this political violence and partisan warfare. But before we jump into literature on guerrilla proxy and partisan warfare for Lesson 14, let's take a step back. Why is studying mobilization and radicalization important to this course and important to our studies at NDU? I'll provide five reasons. First, organizations of political and ideological violence, from neo-Nazis to Hezbollah to Abu Sayyaf to Hamas to al-Shabaab to Boko Haram, offer the most potent lessons in information warfare strategies, arguably, to state powers. For example, during the so-called global war on terror, violent extremist groups have had to use information warfare strategies, online influence, and so-called ideological or cognitive warfare. They have to be excellent in order to survive. That ISIS still exists and grows like wildfire in some areas of Southwest and Southeast Asia and West Africa, for example, after their military defeats in Syria and Iraq is testament to their bervura influence strategies. Beijing, the Kremlin, and Tehran, they study violent extremist group influence strategies for core lessons on how to do influence themselves. Corporations study violent extremist movements and strategies for branding and marketing lessons. No joke. Violent extremist organizations are a meta case study of information power, information strategy, and influence best practices. It's not a force multiplier. It's not a money saver for violent extremist groups. They conduct information persuasion and influence campaigns to survive. Two, we discussed foundational narratives in our very first information lessons back in September, which many argue play a strategic role in radicalization, counter-radicalization, and political violence. Violent extremist organizations and other politically violent entities have a national or regional or world vision which they may want to impose. ISIS, for example, wants to disrupt the international rules-based, Westphalian-based, realist-based structures. And to do this, they must have a visceral understanding of foundational narratives, sacred values, worldviews, biases, and necessary hooks to inspire lone wolves and inspire local partners, to hijack the driving forces of disparate tribes and cause instability. Has ISIS used, translated, and influenced via foundation narratives? Well, it's a fair question. And I want want you to ask ourselves, I want all of us to ask ourselves, if every single ISIS militant fighter and leader dropped dead, the snap of my fingers right now, who among us believed that the movement would die? That the influence young people would not still attempt to keep the movement moving? That their very military defeat would play into the core narrative of innocence under attack and a vision of the future that calls for nothing short of an apocalyptic war? That ISIS isn't spending 24 hours every day trying to influence and recruit for future generations of fighters and leaders. Three, we have our theme of finite versus, quote unquote, beyond limits, ways and means. Not only do violent extremist organizations and other politically motivated violent organizations like ISIS not get bogged down by borders in the Middle East and Africa that were drawn by a wooden ruler, not only do they operate in the seams between geographic combatant commands, not only do they exploit US, U.S.'s supposed pivot to the East and focus on great power competition, but they also hold a strategic vision that calls for any and all ways and means. What works is what is put to work, no matter how lo-fi, no matter how seemingly rudimentary. The good ones are not so suicidally stupid As to get on sat phones or directly go on twitter they operate outside what some define as the global information environment but still affect the global information environment each and every day most importantly they use all means private and public with impunity and prejudice beyond the dime construct beyond what is taught in traditional military education they take lessons learned from 20th century atheist communist movements Lessons Learned from Ancient Chinese and Indian and North Africa Literature. Number four, they show extreme flexibility. They seem to often change their complete identity and strategy the moment the situation calls for a rethink on ways and means. Most often, this is displayed as good, flexible operational art with a common guiding vision. Occasionally, they show some elements of being complex, adaptive systems, on the quote-unquote edge of chaos. They exhibit self-organization, complexity, inter- interdependence, and co-evolution. In a complex adaptive system, the system and the agents co-evolve. The system lightly guides agents' behavior, but the agents modify the system by their interactions with it. The best-run violent extremist groups survive because they operate at the edge of chaos by relentlessly pursuing a path of continuous innovation, and indeed, because they inject so much novelty and change into their normal operations. Number five, foreign powers attempt to exacerbate not only political tribalism inside the borders of adversaries and competitors, but also organizations that may be considered by those governments as violent extremist groups, or may be considered groups that pose a potential and credible threat of political violence. An extreme example is the Russian imperial movement, or RIM. According to extremism.com, the Russian Imperial Movement is a fascist group based in St. Petersburg, Russia that seeks to create a mono-ethnic state. And I go on to quote, although the group is not openly sponsored by the Russian state, that can be argued by the way, the RIM has allegedly recruited and trained Russian fighters for Russia's ongoing conflict with Ukraine, even today. Some experts say the Russian government is actively cultivating ties among right-wing extremist groups to undermine Western democracies. They turn a blind eye to right, far-right paramilitarism within its borders, actively cultivate neo-Nazism in the West, and these decisions, I go on to quote, align with this broader project to sow discord in Western democracies. Support for right-wing violence in the West Constitutes an element of its broader destabilization campaign, tacit support to violent white nationalists as part of a strategy to internally fracture Western nations. Now, as a final thought for this podcast, I want to provide some definitions that I think can be helpful. Resistance movement, an organized effort by some portion of the civil population of a country to resist the legally established government. Of an occupying power. This is according to JP 1 2. Legitimate governance. According to JP 3 24, the authority to govern is dependent upon the successful amalgamation and interplay of four factors mandate, manner, support and consent, and expectations. When the relationship between the government and those governed breaks down, challenges to authority may result. This definition is highly contested. Irregular warfare. According to J-O-C-I-W-2000 from 2007, a violent struggle among state and non-state actors for legitimacy and influence over the relevant populations. Irregular warfare favors indirect and asymmetric approaches, though it may employ the full range of military and other capabilities in order to erode an adversary's power, influence, and will. It encompasses insurgency, counterinsurgency, terrorism, and counterterrorism. Unconventional warfare. According to TC 18-1 from 2010, enable a resistance movement or insurgency to coerce, disrupt, or overthrow a government or occupying power by operating through or with an underground auxiliary and guerrilla force in a denied area with a scope that frequently exceeds the capabilities of a military alone. Foreign internal defense. This is from JP 3-22 from 2012 the participation by civilian and military agencies of a government in any of the action programs taken by another government or other designated organization to free and protect its societies from subversion, lawlessness, insurgency, terrorism, and other threats. The focus is to support the host nation's internal defense and development. And finally, contemporary targeting. Define, fix, finish, exploit, and analyze the enemy faster than it can evolve itself. There is no evidence that this tactic helps to strategically defeat any contemporary violent extremist or politically violent organization or insurgency. Thank you.